You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News. And today, it is officially the beginning of the free agency previews of the Lockdown Pacers podcast. How we do this as we have in past seasons as we go position by position. So point guards, shooting guards, small forward, power forward, center. And what we do is we run through the first segment of why the Pacers might sign a guy at that position and then who the best options are. So assuming the Pacers can somehow clear a bunch of money or do a sign and trade and then who the realistic options are given the Pacers spending power and the available guys. These shows are really fun and I think insightful into the Pacers cap situation and their needs. And of course, joining me to break down the Pacers free agent point guard potential needs and this free agent point guard class, my lovely co-host Adam Freeman. Adam, how's it going? Good. I'm just laughing over here as you clearly forgot about the Zoom disclaimer lady to start recording. I did. <laughs> I, you did. Probably I don't hear... think it'll matter in the recording. No, um, no, but you can hear you probably go, oh. <laughs> I know. Second. Yeah, shoot. I, well, well, guys, you get to you get to hear Adam and I live opine about Zoom's new recording lady that talks at the beginning and messes up my cadence every time. But anyways, point guards, we always start with why the Pacers might sign a guy from this position. And at point guard, it's pretty easy. Well, but I think it's a little deeper than just the obvious reason. So the obvious reason, right, is that their best or one of their best free agents was a point guard last year, TJ McConnell. He was a key player. And a lot of fans consider the Pacers needs to be a true point guard. I put air quotes up because I don't really know what that means in the NBA anymore, but uh, a true point guard kind of guy. And McConnell fits that bill more. So him being out the door immediately, despite the fact that they have other guards who can play that position, opens up a potential need for a guy at that position. Yeah, I mean, they need some kind of uh, backup point guard who can play those, whatever you want to call 15 minutes where you don't have Brogdon. And unless you're going to like stagger with Levert or you're going to play Aaron Holiday, you're going to play Sumner, but I don't think any of those are good options. You need kind of a true point guard. Also, you need your point because you really, in case Brown gets hurt, which will inevitably miss some games, you need a guy to step in and start, start in his place if he needs to. Um, so, yeah, you need you need somebody. I mean, it doesn't have to be a guy who's going to play a ton of minutes. Like McConnell probably played more on the more minutes than you expect from a guy at that spot, but you need somebody who can at least fill some of those minutes. Yeah, I agree with that. So the the thing is, even like... I mentioned the log jam of position guys and you talk about a backup to fill some minutes. Like even if next year they want to start the season and say Aaron Holiday is our backup point guard and we've got Sumner and Lamb and Brogdon and Levert to fill ball handling duties, then you still probably need like a veteran minimum guy to soak up some minutes, right? So regardless of McConnell or not, or the talent level of the guy they bring back, they probably need somebody with just a steadying hand. Like that's kind of why the bucks go out and get a Jeff Teague kind of guy, right? That kind of stuff you just need. And they probably shouldn't be playing him as much as they are in the playoffs. That's irrelevant here, but you kind of need that level of guy at times throughout the regular season when there's injuries or in certain matchups, you just, or even just in practice, you just need that level of guy. So just from a losing McConnell standpoint, they need kind of a steadying hand backup vet point guard. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't necessarily be relying on this guy for big minutes unless you think he's going to be like your sixth or seventh man, I guess. The Pacers probably have, if everything shakes right, should be relying on like 
Justin Holiday as their sixth man, their draft pick, maybe as their seventh or eighth guy, and hopefully W. Derman or X player who fills that that salary could be this pump card, I guess. Um, but you just you just need somebody because yeah, if you don't have a true pump guard on the bench, it just it just makes things harder, frankly. I mean, you, you kind of saw it this year, right? Where they Bard missed a lot of games and the bench minutes were just kind of painful. Part of that to do with just the way the lineup shook out. Obviously, they were starting to stress holiday minutes and whatnot and all that kind of stuff. But you just need somebody and they don't they don't have it like this is kind of the role you would say, oh, young point guard fills. I don't think a rookie can fill this role, even if they draft somebody this year. I don't think a rookie can do Agreed. it. But like a second or third year rookie could theoretically, um, but they, they have taken a point guard. I guess Aaron Holiday is a point guard. I don't know what you want to call him, but I don't think he's necessarily ready, but maybe they just decide he is, but that would be really shocking to me. Can, at least can at you, point. can you explain something that you just said to me? Yeah. A second or third year rookie. Second. Okay. <laughs> second or third year player. <laughs> I meant a guy on a rookie deal. So I know, I know. I'm uh, that's what I mean. Like a rookie to me is someone in the rookie deal still, I guess. Understood. <laughs> the other thing to me when I say there's more depth to their potential needs at this position is something that people have talked about that has somewhat manifested more often last year than two years ago is that Brogdon might be better in an off-ball role in general. And if that is true, I guess you could say Karras is just more ball handily and Brogdon moves off-ball. But if the Pacers do decide at some point to move Brogdon more off ball in the future, this season, whenever, they might need a point guard to start or to fill more minutes. Like if Karras is hurt and Brogdon's your two, like they played McConnell and Brogdon kind of a lot together last year. That didn't happen as much two years ago, but but Bjorkren was more into that than McMillan. So if they do by need of injury or by decision of Carlisle or something, decide to change that up a little bit and go with starting a guy who's more maybe set up guy, and move Brogdon to to an off-ball role that he thrived in in Milwaukee, that's another reason they could go that route. I don't think that is likely. In fact, I would put that as pretty unlikely, but yeah, it's something to, that fans always talk about that I that I thought we should consider here as well. Yeah, to me, Brogdon off-ball wasn't was another point guard with off-ball with like Sponis kind of playing like right. point guard at times. Like it, To me, Brogdon off-ball is just he's not bringing it up at the moment because I go with somebody else. like, his bonus is pushing, you're going, you're running offensive carries at a time. I mean, the same way like we would have said with Vic before, right? That's like, like you could play like Collison off ball, right? Because he wasn't, but he was still kind of the de facto point guard, even if he wasn't the guy bringing up the ball every moment. Um, and so, like, yeah, I don't think Brogdon off ball means there's another point guard. That just doesn't feel like that makes sense right now. So, where does Aaron Holiday fit into this to you? Does he drive your decisions at all? Because I kind of like, I kind of think we saw last year that he was better at, at two guard than one, but he and played size to play two guard consistently. Yeah, he's a little tiny for that. He's got a good wingspan for his size, so he gets away with it sometimes. But he's definitely probably size-wise better suited to play the one he played one his whole career in college. And the weird thing is with McMillan, he was better as that distributor kind of guy who in year two, he found that we talked about this a lot with his improvement. In his second year, he found the balance of passing and scoring. Maybe that leads you to think he can be the backup one at some point. And then last year, he totally lost that, just gone out the window. And that might have been from a coaching thing. I don't know exactly what directives he had that changed his play style, but he clearly was better as a shooting guard to me last year in the way the Pacers wanted to use him. So I, I I think to me, you know, if it's like, if a backup point guard is, is available to you as the Pacers and you can get them, but they're probably a little overpriced. I would, I would, I basically, I would tell any free agent who is willing to sign that if they're taking an overvalued deal, I would just say no, because I would try to believe in Aaron holiday one more time. He's shown the flashes before, but if you get a good solid vet at a good price, then you can 
can say, okay, we're willing to push him back to a smaller role next year. I think you bring someone in who maybe isn't the guaranteed backup point guard, but somebody to compete with him. Like, I think McConnell, right? McConnell probably wasn't like, we wouldn't know for sure that he would be the, the starting backup point, uh, the backup point guard. Wow. I did it again with misphrasing um, that he would be the backup point guard for sure, but he definitely would fight um, with Aaron holiday over that, that position. Right. And you probably do something similar if you don't bring McConnell back. I don't think you can trust Aaron Holly to be your, your backup point guard. I think also in general, if Aaron Holly does somehow come out and play really well, his probably destiny is somewhat to play in a like small lineup next to Brogdon as, as the two guard and then maybe point guard on the defensive end. Um, so I don't, I don't think, I think Aaron Holiday is a factor in this, but he hasn't shown enough to be the like full-time backup point guard. But like, would I be surprised if they brought somebody in to compete if he like somehow beat him out this year? No, I wouldn't be. I actually think so. The, the biggest way he plays into me is that because he's so inconsistent is why they absolutely need to sign a vet guy, right? Like if he showed last year that he could play backup even a little bit, then they could, if he got hurt next year, they could just say, okay, we'll just go with Kara Sumner, Brogdon, Lamb, and we'll be fine. We don't need another point guard in this situation. But now uh, with Holiday not being an option, you know, if you say, oh, we, we don't have a guy if he's hurt, oh, crap, we have no ball handling with our second unit. You might, you need a third guy anyway. So then you have to decide, okay, do we want to back up better or worse than him? Like, we'll talk about low-end options, but there's a lot of guys who are kind of towing that line of, do you focus on development or do you go with the vet as your backup next year? And that is where I think it plays in the most to me. But, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's a tough decision, right? If he was just as good last year as he was in year two, I think this is a little easier, but he had a really rough year. Yeah, and I, I, I am simple that he'll be on the team next year if they make some move. He just fills salary really well if you try to like go to get somebody who's on a twenty plus million dollar contract, right? If you add him in a center, you get twenty two million dollars. We could see then what you have to be able to get like a twenty five million dollar player, give or take, somewhere in that range. Yep. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's just because he just hasn't been good enough for like you're not like he's like a make or break trade, right? He's not somebody you're just going to sit there and be like, oh, well, if you want him, we're not going to give it to you. And he might have enough promise to have enough plus value to be like considered an add in trade and to can at least sell it. They're salvaging the trade in some ways. Yeah. So let's talk about this free agent class uh, because it's interesting. It's, it's, it's just interesting to me. I'll explain why in a second. But first, I got to take a little break to talk about it's Thursday. The ultra moment of the week, and I should be going to the NBA Finals because it's the NBA Finals. But I'm going to take a moment for a former Pacer. Adam, I, I don't know if you know this. Jan Mahimi announced his retirement yesterday, uh, former NBA champion with the Mavs. I had a great 2015-16 season with the Pacers and got absolutely paid for it. Opened up a bunch of steak and shakes in France as a result. Always one of the best dressed guys on the team. So, Adam, please join me in congratulating Jan Mahimi on his retirement for our ultra moment of the week. You want to know my favorite Jan Mahimi moment? I would love that. Uh, okay, so you can go back to the 20, I want to say 13 or 14 playoffs. I want to say it's 2014 because I think it was in the team in 2013. Correct. He came in and his entire job was to draw six fouls on LeBron, D-Wade, or Chris Bosh. <laughs> that was his whole goal. And he, I pretty sure, did it in like three of the four games, that's, or three of the six games that series. I mean, he he came in and he was just the body from Roy Hibbert, couldn't play the full game, right? Eight, ten minutes, he was going to hit LeBron to begin the lane. He was going to hit the lane to lane, and that was his job. He was great at it. And then he had a really, actually, really solid uh, 15, 16 season as kind of the starting center next to Turner. But that was yeah. my favorite moment of his. Yeah, big congrats to him on a really long career, too. Underratedly long and talented career for Jan Mahinmi. I hope he enjoys his retirement joy, happiness, and enjoyment. All things you will have 
if you consume Amicola Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at only 2.6 carbs, 95 calories, you will certainly enjoy Amicola Ultra. Joy creates success and enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. So try Amicola Ultra today. So for the varying reasons we discussed, right, need at necessity at the position, potentially your backup point guard McConnell out the door, the Pacers might need a backup point guard. And we can talk extensively about McConnell in the third segment here as a realistic option, but I like to run through the best options at the position as part of the free agency process just to say, like, is this guy really good? Is this guy worth, like, a sign-and-trade situation? Is this the position the Pacers should do that at? And normally these are a lot more insightful and not just us retreading a conversation we just had. But the point guard position is probably the most star-studded in this free agent class. It's bizarre. We- the whole the whole market for like, like there's not really any like there's very few middle level guys. It's like top talent and not top talent. That's what I was gonna say. It's, there's this very very small middle class. There's only two guys that I think are well, I guess three that I really like, think are yeah. worth talking about. In that you group. could be like backup point guards and you would be like that's an improvement or on yeah. talent level currently. So. The problem with litigating the the really good players at this position discussion for free agency is we just did it on Tuesday because most of the stars of free agency this year, Chris Paul, Mike Conley, and Kyle Lowry are three of them. We talked about them in our stars show on Tuesday. If you want to listen to how the Pacers could acquire a star potentially, go back to Tuesday's show and listen to that. So, you know, we can run through it again, but like they're all really like a star point guard is really important because that's the position that has the ball. Most of the time they run a lot of the stuff. There's a reason that Mike Conley's teams have always been good. Chris Paul's teams in the finals have always been good. Kyle Lowry's team's always been good. So we, we have, we both agreed that should those guys be available to the Pacers at all, they should try at least to do a sign and trade for them. Yeah. I mean, we should make it clear. They, what, what's the mid-level company can afford straight up in free agency, just like, under 10 million, right? Just under $10 million. Now they can make a trade, but anybody with what $10 million, they're going to either have to have their bird rights, which I think they have McConnell's, right? Yes, they have early bird, yeah. but that's good enough for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, either have the bird rights or that make a sign and trade for the players. So yep. just so that, that that basically the four names or three names you gave will all be signed and traded because there's probably not way over the mid-level. Yeah, unless one of them takes like a short deal or like a cheap deal and win a championship, I guess. But like, I think two or three of them are going to be championship winning point guards by the end of this week. Uh, and the <laughs> other one is on a team that probably... Things they can win a championship and we'll pay him like they win a championship at least. Yeah, the, I I think that there's no way, especially if the Suns win a title, like Utah's gonna full court press to get Conley back, and same with Phoenix with or they have no other moves. They have no yeah. Conley. Lowry's the only one that's like even maybe a chance he leaves his team, especially because they jumped up in the draft. But I'm even then still hunting the money though at this point. He's we talked about the card. challenges of getting him with the money and his age not fitting the Pacers timeline that well. I know as a six foot one, six foot guy at 35, like any minute now, he could just fall off a cliff. So very risky as well. So the top class is kind of risky and or unavailable for the Pacers, but there are, I think I have four guys in this class of, that is probably outside the Pacers range and there's no way they can pay them, but would all actually be very helpful if they'd be willing to take six man roles on an MLE. Do you have four or more than four? I have five, excuse me. Um, I have somewhere in that. I mean, I, don't, uh, I, I sort of been looking at the list. Okay. I might have six. <laughs> So, I, I guarantee. Name, okay, six is my final answer. Guarantee. Okay, I'm gonna name some names here. Probably this is the numbers, right? So, okay, Drodrick is probably gonna get more than that. On Dragic is one of my six. Schroeder. Schroeder is one of my six. Although I do not think he is gonna. He's gonna get way overpaid. I think this offseason. Totally. Yeah. Part of that is the is the Lakers bird rice trick. Okay. Correct. That's um, Dinwiddie for sure. Dinwiddie is one. He is three. He actually might be in the MLE range because of his injury, though. Yeah, that's the one. I guess that's fair. But we'll I feel get back like, to him in a second. 
I feel like he also might get overpaid for the bird right trap because Brooklyn is trying to get a guy back. But I, I think they're not be I don't think he too. wants to be there. I think he right. That was that was the whole issue too. So maybe yep. Lonzo obviously dropped in yesterday. Lonzo is one of them. Gonna get paid. And at four, do you have Patty Mills at, at that level? Patty Mills is one of them. Although he might be available at the MLE, I might take that one back. Yeah, and then I'm assuming Derrick Rose is the last. Derrick Rose was the last one. Yes. Okay. Derrick Rose was excellent last year. He will probably return to the Knicks on a big deal. We talked about Lonzo Tuesday. He will definitely be getting a lot and probably potentially available in sign and trade situations as a talented player. So I think we can roll out those two just financially. Uh, Lonzo, we we talked about Tuesday, if you want to hear more about that. And then Schroeder's going to get overpaid. Uh, he wants to start too, so he's probably out here. So then we're down to Dragic, Dinwiddie, and Patty Mills. Uh, as like really like these guys would be your sixth men next year, all of them. But Dinwiddie wants a bigger role. I think all that alone is going to rule him out. I think he'd be a great fit if Dinwiddie's willing to take a sixth man role with the Pacers. Like that'd be a great fit and potentially doable with that MLE because of his injury last year. But again, I think that he will take like the Orlando Magic's money just to start for them. For example, uh, yeah, like- I guess I wonder Dinwiddie is he probably is the right player where you could you could. Be your six man, but close games with him, right? He's got right. enough size. You could play next Brogdon. to Brogdon, like we talked about for a second. Yeah, he could play easily next to Brogdon, I feel like. Um, just because they both have good enough size to be simultaneously on the both ends of the floor, basically, or at least the defensive end of the floor. So of the uh, legit better than McConnell upgrade guys, that just leaves Patty Mills and Dragic to me. And Dragic is 35, so I would not be willing to give him a super long deal. Patty Mills is Huh? Yeah. One year, you think? One year. I don't I mean I don't and you can't overpay him because you can't unless sign trade for him, so probably you're not getting him. I've been thinking about Dragic a lot today when I was prepping for the show, and I've become kind of enamored by him as a sixth man candidate just because he's he's really good and talented. And uh, he's you just don't, play. I mean, he's thirty five year old point guard. You just don't know where he's, he's going to be. Yeah, and he's been playing a bench role largely at least for Miami for a while. Um, so he might be willing to take that again. But I don't know. He's probably looking for the longest deal he can get at his age. So I don't I don't know that the Pacers could get him. He only started. He's only started. 14 games in the last two seasons for my is he is he playing um in the olympics too or is, this, is slovenia in it uh slovenia is in it luca and slovenia just knocked out sabonis actually but he's not on the team oh, that's just encouraging i was gonna say if he's playing in that i'd be even less other zoran is playing for the team okay well that's, he's at an age where you like him. you you sign him to a one-year deal and to convince him to come you sign zoran to a two-way contract uh maybe i guess i feel like i feel like <laughs> I feel like that's uh, there's probably a lot of teams that will do that, so they may not separate from some other teams. Don't forget, Dame's if Dame's cousin can get a contract from the Blazers, anything is possible. I mean, wasn't Zoran on the Heat for like? Well, a he was part second? of the trade, remember? Yes, that's right. He was on the yeah. Suns too, I guess, for a split second. Yeah, but yeah, I'm kind of enamored by Dragic as a good fit as the backup point guard if he'd be willing to take the Pacers' money on a one-year deal to me because of his age. But I don't would think you do he'd... two for twenty. I don't know. Rough because if he if he goes halfway through the year bad, you're basically stuck with his dead. He's missed a lot of games last two years, and certainly age concerns are there. So that's risky. It matches up with the core pretty well, but another concern for me when you're getting a guy at that level is T.J. Warren's expiring, and you want all the room you can get for him. So they got to be a real difference maker for me to give him two years. And none of the guys we just named. Uh, outside of Lonzo, I'd be willing to give two years to. Well, you have Warren Bird Reds, but I get what you mean. You mean room between that and the luxury. The tax is an issue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then well, Patty so Mills is good. Patty Mills has done a great job as the backup point guard for the Spurs in the past. And I think if he's willing to take a six-man role at the Pacers, that'd be another solid fit as well. Uh, do you have any thoughts on him here? Yeah, I mean, I think he'd also be fine. I, I, I just wonder if he'll probably get, maybe not overpaid by the Spurs, but given... Outside that Emily range, maybe a multi-year deal too. 
which are sort so, of keeping him away. Yeah. So how close to Patty Mills in talent do you think TJ McConnell is? Uh, so like if you put him on a scale of let's say like one to ten, right? Mills, like overall point guard, say like we'll say Dame is a ten, right? And uh, I don't know the worst point guard league is, but somebody you know the worst point guard league is one. Mills is probably like a six, and McConnell probably like a four and a half, five, right? Yeah, I was gonna say five, five and a half, really. After last year, yeah, I guess he had a really good year last year, but yeah, right. yeah there's, there's there's a difference. I mean, Mills is just a little bit better, but McConnell's younger and had come out for a really good year, so I don't know necessarily if that's actually as bad. McConnell's been how many games McConnell actually played most of the season, right? Yep. I mean, if not, so like there's the only- that's a that's a factor. I still worry about McConnell's playoff playability considering the way he got just exposed in the Heat series two seasons ago now, but yeah, I mean he. Played 69 games, 71 games. He's played basically 70, 80% of the, or 80, 90%, 90% of the season. Really? Yeah, I'm doing the math. 90% of the season, really, every year of his career so far. So that that is, is valuable, at least. Yeah, so I, I the reason I say that is because I think McConnell has reached this middle class for this free agency period. Um, and, and his price will be, like, remember we talked about DJ, or maybe it was just me. We talked about DJ Augustine. Being a money comp uh, as at three for twenty one last year, and that's just under the MLE, and so I think McConnell has probably reached this middle class of like good backup. I think solid. McConnell could be looking at the full MLE, full MLE, just because there isn't a lot of players that are in that range, and some team might just thought they just won him really badly and could get like two for twenty. I mean, just because there's not a lot of players to fill that full MLE level, right? Like the players that are that we talked about are so above it that McConnell could just like get pulled up to that so that he could get him. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, thing to think about is that there's a ton of backup point guards that are free agents, right? So in theory, that suppresses all their values. But the flip side of that is that means a ton of teams have lost their backup point guard to free agency. So they're all in demand because it's a role that needs to be filled by every team that we've just run through. So McConnell could, I, I could see his value going either way. Because yeah, and the MLE, MLE is just sort of like artificial cap in some ways, right? For certain for other teams, teams, not for the Pacers, though. No, no, for other teams, right? So it's like this w- weird cap thing where, like, if he's, if, like, let's say teams really want, really need a backup point guard and they have the full MLE, they might be willing to just to spend it all because they just need the backup point guard, right? We're like, maybe you're right. He's probably seven or eight million, but he gets bid up to there because there's not enough players to fill it anyways, the point guard spot. And you want to use it on a point guard. Yeah. So McConnell is a very realistic Pacers free agent option, as are, I think, of the guys we said in that middle class, Mills and Dragic, lesser than McConnell, of course, because he's a returning player. But for the role they have, I think that the, that everyone we just said, Sands maybe Patty Mills, is probably too good uh, to take a one-year deal at the MLE. So they're probably, outside of Patty Mills, all out here. So the only upgrade at backup point guard to me would be Patty Mills. So I think we should pivot to run through the realistic Backup point guard options. Yeah, there's a few of them that could for sure fall. And I want to give a player a shout out in in the next segment. But first, we're going to take one more break so I can talk to you guys about the great folks over at rockauto.com because with the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is basically impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need for your car or truck. You got to go in and endure the stupid questioning at the counter that's really intimidating from the guy who knows everything about your car and you know nothing. And then you wait while they order the parts and you hope that their supplier happens to carry the parts. And if not, it'll take forever for you to get them. Don't do all that. You have a computer and you have access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket. You can save time and money using rockauto.com. They're a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are always reliably low for every customer and they have everything you need including brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet, you name it. 
you got to go check it out. RockAuto.com. They're easy to use website today. It'll be the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. When you check out, write Locked On in there. How did you hear about us box? So know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at RockAuto.com. So we just skipped over a guy I want to give flowers to and then talk about why I skipped over him. And then we can talk about the realistic options for the Pacers here at this point guard position. And that is Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson is about to get ridiculously overpaid because he was amazing in the playoffs and he deserves a ton of credit for being really good and being really the one of the biggest reasons the Clippers even made it to six games in the conference finals without Kawhi Leonard. But in a long regular season setting and in a typical playoffs, given his whole career, I think it's safe to assume he is not he's basically on McConnell's level at best. So yeah, I was hesitant to put him in that last segment, but there's a chance he ends up being really good, but he will get massive. No, he's getting way overpaid because the Clippers will pay the luxury tax. They don't care. Yes. He no, will, he's no cap for that team. It's just whatever they want to pay. So as we run through like what I consider realistic in the Pacers price range options, the most realistic option, I think we both agree for the Pacers backup point guard next year is McConnell, right? Yes. I think that's like fair. substantially. Yeah. So the trouble is, unless they find a way to either move off Jeremy Lamb or they find a way to like move off Aaron Holiday and something else, or they you know they shed salary in some way, it's a McConnell or McDermott proposition likely, or MLE guy for the or, Pacers, or or pay the tax. <laughs> well, yes, that is true. The, the tax is the limiting factor and all that. But the, what is the tax number again? I know we did this yesterday. Just shy of one hundred forty million. So they could theoretically play both guys $10 million and maybe stand red, right? No, they'd be over. They'd be way over. What is their salaries for? You, the, 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 a lot of public salary sheets are troubling because they don't have the Pacers first round pick in there as well. Gotcha. What's the first round pick going to make? About $4 million. Okay, so they could pay each of them like, what, eight then? Seven? I think it's combined like 15 mil to stay under the tax for those two guys. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, Which okay. is actually kind of close. Like it's probably just an Aaron Holiday deal away from being yeah. possible. But I don't think you just dump Aaron Holiday to. I, I can't. I don't know. It's kind of hard to to really figure. Well, out. I mean, it depends really. Like, if you, you dump like Aaron him. Holiday to just run back a thirty-four one team, I would say no. But that, I, I mean, I, I think the question is, if you're going to keep both centers, do you just dump Goga at this point? Yeah, that's certainly an option as well because he's probably not. I mean, if they keep both, it, they're just wasting the year of him. But I, yeah, I exactly. think that if we run through the realistic options, McConnell is the most realistic. They know he fits their their roster construction because he was a part of it. He's good. He actually got better in his seasons in Indiana. Carlisle has used Brea in ways that makes me confident he could get a lot out of McConnell. We know he fits with Aaron Holiday and a bunch of their other bench guys. Um, is willing to be above him in the role. And they have the most important part here because of their budget constraints is they have his early bird rights, meaning they can give him a deal, even though they're over the cap, up to four years, starting at over the MLE, really. So if they really want him, they can outbid other teams like all the factors that play to me suggest that he's the most likely guy to be back. That said, I understand why they might, and I'm in this boat, pick McDermott over him, and then they would need someone else. So there are other realistic options to me out there, but I wanted to open, and I think you agree with me, that he is the most realistic returning option. Yeah, I mean, they also know from maybe a multi-years, like three or four, when another team won't in some ways. I mean, I, I don't know how many people are going to use their full on Liam McConnell, right? Full, full oh, number yeah, and no full No way years. he's getting the 40 for 40. Exactly. And I'm not sure if they're going to do it either, but they could do three for 24 and do it scaling up, right? Theoretically, maybe it starts a little lower. That way they can make it work on the tax this season. I, I think ultimately they just have to decide if they want McConnell and they want McDermott, they got to move somebody. And so that's what we'll kind of see. 
Well, probably knows from the draft if they want that. Right. That will probably be a telltale sign what they're going to do if they and they, they always move somebody at, at any point. They can also just be in the tax for the season and move somebody at some point too to save space. But I, uh, to me, that's the telltale sign if they move somebody at the draft. That means they're probably trying to move back. Well, players. we we knew it last year too, right? Between the draft and free agency, they need to move off money and they dealt Lee for Jalen the Q because they they have to make their plans happen and usually those plans start to fill at the draft. So they, if they haven't made a deal by the draft and they want both. McConnell and McDermott back. I would expect that either on draft night or the day after, because remember the draft's only two days before free agency. We'll see the holiday deal or the lamb deal or whatever it is that they try to do to, to move off of money. But the, the other theory is, and this is less true for McDermott because the small forward market is a little r- more rickety than the backup point guard market. And we'll do small forwards next Thursday. Shooting guards is Monday. Um, but like it's harder to get 80% of McDermott for really cheap on the free agent market, but it's a little easier to get 80% of McConnell for really cheap on the free agent market because coming up this offseason on the backup point guard market, you have guys like, uh, this is going to take me a while to read all these names, but so I might be doing some overkill, but you have Ish Smith and Chris Dunn, potentially he is a team option, and Alfred Payton and Dennis Smith and Ryan Archie Diacono and Austin Rivers and Brad Wanamaker and Deli and Raul Neto and... Uh, campaign and Jeff Teague, like you have a lot of quality, like steady hands that we we talked about, like maybe even a little behind Aaron Holiday in your rotation that could be options as well. And I just realized we forgot a guy in the mid tier section. That's campaign. Uh, he is probably going to be back with the Suns next year. I just needed to include him here because I can't believe I skipped over his name, but it's way down on the salary list. But anyway, there are a lot of guys who can give you like eighty percent of McConnell who will probably get the minimum. So I think that that's another factor as well is you're saving a lot of money and not losing a ton of production. That said, that in production is still really a really important 20%. It's just that's another way of thinking about it. Yeah. Do you think like Teague would have Anderson coming back here? I feel like after his, he wouldn't. He just like he I remember like, he like was here. in, he was interested in re-signing in, um, but I, I remember he, 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 some interview where he talked about like he didn't like being in his hometown because he got, you know, like, got asked too many favors or stuff like that. You know what I mean? It was like kind of like too much pressure for me. Well, that was some of it. He hated that everyone was asking for tickets. But remember the summer he was a free agent was the summer of big spending, right? So he knew that like, I think it was Lowry uh, and him. And there was someone else really good who got a bunch of money or like not really good, but like medium good. George George Hill Hill. was another one uh, with the spur or the Kings for him. No, George Hill got money from the jazz, Jazz, right? Initially and then got traded. I'm missing yeah. one, but there was like a bunch of that like mid-tier point guards who knew they were getting the bag. And remember, the Pacers sat on their hands that summer. They let Mahindi go. They let Teague go. So he didn't come back, um, but he I think he likes his hometown. Everybody does. But I, I'm not saying him specifically, but like with McDermott, you getting 80% of him is still expensive-ish. Like Reggie Bullock's probably going to get six or seven million. And then everyone else who's 80% of him is not 80% of him really like from a salary perspective, unless you count like Nick Batum or something. So... Um, it's a lot harder to do that with him, and it's a lot easier to do that with McConnell. So that could be another reason they go for like a minimum level guy, like that list I just gave, is because they feel like that's enough of a facsimile to McConnell that they can still let Aaron Holiday try to grow, but they have a veteran fallback option if things aren't going well. Yeah, I do wonder though if you're going to go with one of the options, you just go with like a minimum player and oh, just, for sure if, if you're thinking that just do the minimum for sure yeah right so like now we're talking about like a lot of like even farther down names and like the jeff teagues probably right uh jeff teague will get the minimum for sure you, i think next you year. think so i guess what in his minimum higher because of experience so it'll be like 
Uh, well, so he gets paid more, but his cap hit is the same as any other player. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That at least helps. Cause that's hard like to explain and not worth it, but yes, because that's exactly, they don't want Jeff Teague to not have suitors because he's played for a long time. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. I mean, like, what is somebody like you can, first of all, do you consider Austin Rivers a point guard? Uh, sort of, but he's going to be way more than the minimum, I think. Yeah. But like, what do you think he gets? Like four seven, to five million, probably four or five. Okay. I mean, like. But he's that more up all than point guard. Right. He's more like Aaron Holiday point guard. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I agree. But that's exactly same with Brad Wanamaker, whose name I said earlier. He's kind of off. Well, he's kind of skewed because he played for the Warriors. But yeah. I mean, I guess the question point. is, like, do you just like decide that you can figure out a stagger at Levert and uh, Brogdon to make it work? Like, yeah, that's possible. And I talked about being obsessed with Dragic kind of earlier as like a, as an idea, even though the money doesn't make sense at all. A guy I've been kind of obsessed with all summer is Hal Neto, because I think he's actually pretty good uh, as a guy who could be your minimum guy to take up some McConnell time. And minimum deals can be two years and still count as minimum against the cap. So they could even lock up someone they really like. So it's just an it's, it's an interest. That's an interesting idea to me. But I still think keeping McConnell is more likely than even doing yeah. that. The other object too was right. You stagger Sabonis and you basically play him at point center because they kind of did that a couple right. of seasons ago ish. McConnell was still there, but right. a lot of it was Sabonis. So you could do that theoretically as well. So I'd say the most likely, if we had to rank the summary of today's show, the most likely thing for the Pacers free agency at the point guard position is McConnell comes back at I'll guess something about you said earlier three for 25. Although I'm kind of timid here because remember we were guessing about that deal for Justin Holiday last year, a little higher than that actually, and he got way less. But anyway, but he he took he wanted to stay here. That was part of it. He took money. Well, to be I wanted to bring something else up with McConnell we haven't said yet, and that was a factor in Justin Holiday as well. It's like he just had a kid, and when you when that's the case for NBA players, sometimes they look for the long term security deal. And Justin Holiday took I don't know that it's the longest deal he got, but he took a three year deal to stay somewhere. That's, that's true. McConnell hasn't isn't, hasn't made like a ton of money, right? He's like holiday right. work too. McConnell's probably made a little more than holiday, but not like crazy amount more. So yeah, I mean, you could see McConnell just trying to lock in a long-term, the most money possible for the longest amount of years. But to, to rank the options, I would say the most likely is McConnell about that three for, let's say 25. And then the second most likely thing is someone in that tier of Howell Neto, Alfred Payton, Archie Diacono for like, Two years, four minutes, like the BAE, basically, like two years, four and a half million or something like that. And then the third most likely option, which is possible if like it falls into their lap, but is unlikely given their uh, long term salary situation is someone like Patty Mills or Goran Dragic at like two for 20. Uh, and if that happens, McConnell is surely gone, but they upgrade the position at the cost of more money. Yeah, I might put the th- a third scenario ahead of though, that they just try to piece together with current players and or a draft pick. As a third most yeah. option over over even any of those top three, I don't think they're going to even get close to sniffing a Patty Mills, for example. Dinwiddie would be is, is just a guy I keep I keep scrolling past his name and thinking that like, look, I think Tom Lewis was the first guy who who perfectly articulated this in writing, but it's like part of the reason the Pacers are able to get some of the talented guys they have, like Levert, Warren, Brogdon, whoever, for slightly suppressed value, considering what they do when they're on the court, is that they are kind of injury-prone, right? So they play less, and their value is a little lower, so the Pacers are able to get them, but they're missing time, and that, that was kind of his his idea or, or hypothesis, there's the word I wanted, for why they have had a lot of injuries in recent years, and Dinwiddie would kind of fit that MO of, like, he's good, but they might be able to get him at a lower talent or at a lower money range than his talent because he's kind of missed games in his career. But he, again, I think what he's looking for both financially, uh, although Kevin Pritchard is a Bitcoin guy now, according to his uh, Twitter bio, so maybe, maybe him and Dinwiddie <laughs> could fit. <laughs> 
but um <laughs> oh man that's a very niche joke i know I, for, yeah. few, for the for the very on twitter people who listen to this podcast that'll be good but i i think dinwiddy could be a fit in that like like thought process for the team but what he would want money wise and um role wise they can't give him so i i would say he's even less likely than any of the options i just named i just wanted to bring him up one more time yeah i don't know if i buy that theory i mean because like warren is on the pages because of injuries that's why his value he, he just like couldn't play defense in phoenix right i mean like brogdon is i, I guess I, don't, I hope i didn't butcher it but I, I thought it was a pretty good thought yeah i mean i guess like brogdon makes sense he's there because of injury for sure injury history turner's a bonus for draft picks ish or whatever they're called they don't really count uh Lavert, I guess, is, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I see what I mean. That's not a bad theory, I guess. I just, I think they just had bad injury luck. That is also it. possible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they just had like like misfortune of time. I mean, Old Depot wasn't traded because of injuries to them ultimately, right? I mean, he was. They they, they sought out that deal in some ways. Yeah, they love um, Lavert. They love Lavert. Uh, yeah, definitely Lavert. I mean, Lavert hasn't really that hurt either. The point guard discussion. The free agent point, or is there a name that we haven't given enough time that you wanted to talk about more? No, I, you know what we didn't do? We we we, we brushed over Devonte Graham, who's definitely not coming here. He's free agency, yeah. agency, but like he's gonna get more than ten million, right? Isn't he? Uh, maybe. Right, I was thinking like three. He's why did I skip right? over his name? Oh, he's in a weird. He's in that campaign spot on this list. It's very confusing. It's well, like because he because remember he's a second round pick. Yeah, right? they came in making so little that their salary was way up. Yeah, and he's only played three seasons, but because second round pick he hits. He is restricted and has a very weird cap situation. Um, so he's almost certainly going back to Charlotte. Oh yeah, for sure. Just same with like, campaign with. He'll probably get more than ten. I feel like he might, he might get more than ten million. Devontae Graham, big time sign and trade candidate, and I agree. He probably will get like twelve, thirteen million. It's what I was thinking three for thirty six. Yeah. Uh man, we always forget guys. It's hard to go through the whole list. It's just impossible. There's so many names, especially a point guard. It's a that's probably the most loaded position this year. Like any other position, you get to the guys who aren't as good very quickly. Like the tenth shooting guard. On the on the spot track list, just going off of salary is uh, Alec Burks. <laughs> like you, the the wow, talent drop off for other positions is much quicker. Yeah, when you go down the list, like looking at guys like we'll do shooting guards Monday. By the way, yeah, we'll do. I mean, like I'm looking down the list of guys who make kind of like the minimum right now. Like it's each one more level players. Yeah, it's it's a much yeah exactly. So it's a much different position. So yeah, this is what you can expect from our free agency look aheads for all these positions. Uh, point guard is obviously a very important one because they have a key player leaving or potentially leaving because of free agency at that position. Same with small forward. So that will be next Thursday, but we'll do all the positions, right? They really could use a power forward. They always have. The center show is always uh, fun and interesting as we try to scramble for for, for names. But yeah, uh, Adam, if you don't get anything else, let's get everybody out of here. No, I think I'm good. I'm excited for our free agency series to continue. We always, it's, it's always very the best fun. part. It's the best way to go through all the names and really see who's available and who's not. And then there'll be some name we didn't think of that will be available all of a sudden. And for me, seeing the market is helpful for gauging like what position. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's how we started talking about Gordon Hayward last year a little bit. I, mean, I know he wasn't a free He was an op. He was like a team or a player option. That's it, it helped us talk through Justin Holiday, Tyreek Evans, and Gordon Hayward in the last couple of years. So yeah. I think it's been a helpful series for us as, as well as the listener. Uh, so tomorrow we finish up Wings Week for player season recaps with Keelan Martin. And after Keelan Martin, we'll have done uh, all but two players who are on the roster the full season, and that would be Brogdon and Lamb. So next week is Guards Week with those two guys. Should be fun. Then we kind of pivot to guys who had seasons, some on the Pacers and some off, which will be fun. And then, of course, we have free agency previews by position coming up. So a lot of fun content coming up on Lockdown Pacers. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Again, we'll be back tomorrow, and we'll see you then.